With the approaching election in the next few days, I'm sure that you have paid attention to notice the speculation that's going on all around us. Like, okay, so what happens? What if Biden wins? Or if you're a confident Democrat, when Biden wins? Or what happens if Trump wins for a second term, Trump 2.0? Or if you're a confident Republican, when Trump wins? All the speculation of what's going to happen and what's that going to be like and Oh, it's going to be so great if, and oh, no, it's going to be horrible because if they win. Oh, it's going to be worse if they win. And then it's just on and on and on and on. Here's the deal. No matter who wins this thing, no matter who wins the election, I've been wondering, what are we supposed to do? And, and by we, I mean the church, the local church, and more specifically, followers of Jesus. What are we supposed to do in response to a Biden win or a Trump win? Because, you know, after all of this is a distant footnote in history archive somewhere, the rest of us have to keep on doing life. We don't live in Washington. And that's not the main thing on our agenda. I mean, let's be honest, and we can't fix what's ultimately wrong in, in government, not, not just us alone. And, and we certainly can't solve the problems of the political landscape. In fact, that's not our role and that's not our calling as a church and as followers of Jesus. In fact, what's important to know is what our calling is, what our mission is, what our focus is and our purpose is, is unchanged. No matter who wins the election. So we're going to talk about that in the next few moments. But before we do, as we wrap up this last week of Donkeys, Elephants, and Jesus, it's important, I think, to do a quick review. And at any point in this quick review, if you go, ah, I don't know what that's about, and that sounds weird, and I, I'm not quite sure about that, then that probably means you missed something in the last few weeks. So I want to encourage you to go back and catch up so that we're all on the same page. So week one, we learned that we are Christian first and most, first and most. We are followers of Jesus because we call ourselves Christians. And even if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, first of all, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad that you've joined us online and you're taking the chance, taking the risk, because we know, we know it's a, it's a risk. It's a, it's a kind of a nervous thing to be a part of an environment where you're like, okay, well, I, I don't necessarily believe what everybody else believes, but I'm curious, I'm interested. So especially though, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, what this means is before you're a Democrat or Republican or an independent, before you are liberal, conservative, or moderate, before any of those labels, you are a Christian first and most, and everything must take its cue from that. Everything must be run through that filter that just makes sense. And in week two, we learned that Jesus's mission was in the middle not in some kind of label, moderate kind of way. No, he was in the middle of extremes of his day and still remains so in this day, in our day and time today. Jesus was in strategic placement in the middle among all sides, among all extremes so that he could reach everyone and pull everyone to himself, to his agenda, 
which was bigger and would not be hijacked by a religious agenda, a social agenda, a political agenda of his day or of our day. And we as followers of Jesus first and most, as Christians first and most, we stand in the middle with Jesus. And last week, we learned that what is on our plate right now, what we need to do is learn, pray, and vote. Learn, pray, and vote. Learn, educate ourselves on the policies and the issues and the candidates and pray for wisdom and clarity and then vote to the best of your ability. And so after we have learned what we need to learn and we've prayed and we have voted, where do we go from here? What are we supposed to do as followers of Jesus, much less as a local church? To begin to answer that question, I want to take you once again back to the first century where Paul the Apostle is addressing a group of followers of Jesus, Christians, in their own very politically charged environment. Yes, the details were different than they are today for us, but still, man, it was dicey. And he helped them understand some strategic things that still apply to us today. And before I read this, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to think just for a moment about what your response has been and what your attitude has been up to this point, up to right now, towards the dude that you're not going to vote for. Because you probably have thought about this. You may have already made up your mind. You may have already voted. Voted early. And if not, you probably have a pretty good idea. Maybe you're undecided, but even then you probably are leaning one way or the other. So I want you to think about what your response and attitude has been towards the guy that you're not voting for up to this point. And more specifically, I want you to think about what your attitude has been and your response has been more specifically to the people in your life who are voting for the dude you ain't voting for. That's very important. As we come to the scriptures together and we hear these words that clarify for us what we're supposed to do now. Paul writes, therefore, as God's chosen people, so he's talking to Christians here, he's talking to followers of Jesus, holy and dear loved, dearly loved, clothe yourselves. And that phrase clothe yourselves means make a decision I want you to do something. I want you to choose these behaviors. And then he gives us this list. Compassion. Again, think about that person that you're not voting for. And think about the people who are voting for the people you're voting for. People you don't agree with, people who don't agree with you. You may not even like them. They may not even like you. Compassion. And kindness. Humility. Uh, think about the people who are wrong. Not you, you're right. But the people who are wrong. Humility, gentleness, the people who get on your nerves, who post the stuff that just make your blood boil. How can they call themselves a Christian? I can't believe I go to church with such idiots. <laughs> gentleness and patience. You know what these descriptors are? They're descriptors of the way of Jesus. This is what Jesus was about. And since you call yourself a follower of Jesus, since you call yourself a Christian, first and most, and you stand with Jesus in the middle, so whatever Jesus is about, you're about, right? This is what Jesus was about. He goes further. Bear with each other. 
Bear with. Boy, isn't that hard to do, to bear with people? Bearing with people can be such a bear. That's why we barely do it. I've been practicing that all week. But I'll stop. And forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know what he's saying here? Bear with each other just like God bears with you. What? Yeah, yeah. Put up with each other's stuff just like God puts up with you. Now, now here's the deal. God loves you more than you can imagine, but you need to look in the mirror and be honest with the fact that in all of his love, God puts up with a heck of a lot when it comes to you and me and us. So, so just like God bears with us, hangs in there with us, doesn't give up on us and even forgives us when we have crossed the line. You, can you imagine God looking at us from time to time going, oh, oh no, are you kidding me? Again, again, oh no, 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 no. that's gonna make us look bad, no, 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 oh. Don't post that, don't post that, oh, oh, you posted it. Bear with each other, forgive just like we've been forgiven. And, and then he says this about love, which is fascinating to me. And over all these virtues, put on love. Over all of these virtues, put on love. Why? Why choose love? Because that binds them. What's them? All the things we just read. The compassion, the kindness, the humility, and forgiveness, and all that stuff. It binds them all together in perfect unity. It's like the, it's like the umbrella that everything else falls up underneath. It's the glue that holds it all together. And for those of you who often think, oh, it's always about love, isn't it? It's always about love, right? I mean, that somehow love is easy and soft and cushy. No, 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 no. You need to go back and read this again. Love will kick your butt. Love will challenge you if it's real love. And then he says something about peace. Remember, he's telling us, you know, this is the way of Jesus. This is what we're called to. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, the body of Christ, okay, the family of God, you were called to peace. You were called to peace. Peace. That's fascinating to me because growing up in the Christian subculture that I grew up in, in the religious circles that I grew up in, I was always taught that Christians are supposed to fight. Christians are supposed to fight. Here we go. We're not putting up with nothing, man. In the name of Jesus. We're going to fight onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus. What? Yeah. And I was taught that while we're fighting, it's the world system that's always asking for peace. Oh. But then I come to this and I go, wait, we missed something. How did we miss this? How did, how did I miss this all these years? Let the peace of Christ, the peace of who? The peace of Jesus rule, dominate, dictate, take over. Let it win the day, rule in your hearts. Why? Because you've been called to peace. Not called to fight. You've been called to peace. Isn't that different? And then, no matter what, you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. We saw this in week one. 
giving thanks through him to God the Father. I'm I'm telling you, this, this is what we need. Because what this tells me is that no matter who the president is, no matter who the president becomes, what we're called to is unchanged. What God has purposed for us is unchanged and could not be clearer still. And it's this, for us to come together around the way of Jesus. What is the way of Jesus? Well, we just read it. We just walked through it. Love, compassion, kindness, humility, patience, gentleness, forgiveness, and peace. That's, this is the way of Jesus, and this is what makes us come together. We come together around the way of Jesus. That means Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, independent, moderate, doesn't matter how you want to label yourself. We can come together around the way of Jesus, and we must come together around the way of Jesus regardless of who the president is or is not. Regardless, that does not change. And that, my friends, is what unifies us. And that is what brings us together. And that is what makes us who we are. You know what this means? This is so fascinating. Please don't miss this. That if, in fact, we are united around the way of Jesus, that means (laughs) that we don't have to look to political parties or policies, or a candidate to unify us. Now, I I think it'd be great if America came together, if the Democrats and Republicans and all that, from a political standpoint, if everybody came together, wouldn't that be great if everybody could find a way to work together? And I know that just nauseates you, and that just sounds like PC mess and all that, but come on, everybody's life would be a whole lot better off if we would just get along and find a way to work together. And we're not going to see eye to eye on everything, but we we all agree with that. But here's the deal. We can come together. Democrats, Republicans, liberals, conservatives, we can come together around the way of Jesus because we are united around Jesus. We're not united by political party, policy, or candidate, which means that if we're not united by those things, then why in the world would we allow those things to divide us? Why would we allow a political party or a policy or a candidate to divide us? Because that's not how we're unified to begin with. That also means that you and I can disagree without being divided. We can disagree on politics. We can disagree on party. We can disagree on policy. We can even disagree on who we should vote for and still be united around what matters most, which is the way of Jesus. And everybody, Democrat, Republican, all extremes can come together around the way of Jesus. Now, warning, as you do this, as you come together around the way of Jesus, and commit more than ever to love and compassion, kindness, humility, all these things, it will affect your view on political parties. It will affect your view on policy and it will affect how you see the candidates because Jesus just has a way of affecting everything. He just does. We come together around Jesus, come together around Jesus and we must, that's where we go from here. That's what we do next, regardless of who wins the election. Regardless of, here's the deal, we're gonna disagree on stuff. You're gonna disagree with me, I'm gonna disagree with you, we're not gonna see eye to eye, but the important thing to remember is that those things that we are disagreeing on are not the most important things. This is the most important thing, and we can come together around this, and this is what we are called to. Here's the reality, we're just afraid of disagreeing with one another, I think. I think we're afraid of loving disagreement. Somewhere along the way, we got this idea that in order for things to be healthy, everybody's got to see eye to eye on everything. Like, wait a second, have you been married for more than 30 minutes? 
Do you have a, do you have a child? Do you, have a, do you do relationships with any other human being with a free will? I mean, we're just not going to agree on everything. Where do you want to go to dinner? I don't know. How about you? I'm good with anything. Okay, well, let's go here. We'll accept that. We can't even agree on that, gang. Okay? So when it comes to politics and all this, who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? But here, we can come together on this. We're just afraid of disagreeing on the lesser important things so we can come together on this. You know what we need is healthy dialogue instead of just a louder monologue. And what we want, especially Christians, is a really loud monologue. We want everyone to agree with us and we want everyone to think the same and be the same, except we're not the same. And so, like I said, can't agree on dinner. We're not gonna agree on ever all the details and how it all should happen. And so we don't, we don't need just a louder monologue. We need a healthy dialogue and we can have that and still come together around the way of Jesus. You see, in, in our day and time, we deal with this thing that has emerged over the last year or so, really, called cancel culture. You, you guys paid attention to that phrase. You'll hear it more and more, cancel culture. Cancel culture means this. In the day and time in which we live, if I disagree with you, I'm canceling you. If I disagree with you, or if you disagree with me and speak out, I'm blocking you. You're done, and I unfollowed them. See, that'll show them. Yeah, cancel culture. What, what is that? That sounds a lot like, well, I'm not playing with you. I'm not, I'm not playing with you. You can't be on my team anymore. We're not friends. Wait a second, are we still in fifth grade? Does that not sound very childish? Yes. Cancel culture. Here's what the wisdom of Solomon reminds us. It's not on the screen, just listen. Proverbs 18.2, Solomon writes, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their opinion. So pay attention to those in your life and those around us who are not interested in a healthy dialogue. They just want a louder monologue and they want more people to join their monologue. They just want to talk about who's right and who's wrong and I'm right and you're wrong, by the way, and blah, 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 blah. Okay, you're listening to a foolish person. I ain't calling them a fool. Scriptures identify them as a fool. And this is way too important to be foolish over. We come together, even though we don't see eye to eye. And and, and one more thing, one more thing. While you are lovingly disagreeing with one another, please keep this in mind. Be humble, please. Because you don't know it all, and you don't see it all, and you don't understand it all. In fact, you don't know and see and understand as much as you think you do. Let me give you a picture of this. When you go to the ocean, and we have the the awesome opportunity here living on the East Coast to be able to go to the Atlantic Ocean right on the edge where the water touches the sand and look out across and it's just endless, isn't it? Or at least it seems that way. Thousands and thousands and thousands of thousands. You ever stood there and just kind of looked and been like, wow, how far is it over there? And we know technically, geographically, it's thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. And so you get this feeling that you're seeing forever and that you're seeing all the way, oh, it's there, it's there, just all the way to Europe or Africa, depending upon where you're you know, pointed. And... But you know what? Here's the truth. On average, the average person is only seeing about three miles out. That's about as far as you can see. That's where the sky touches the water. That's where the horizon is created for us, visibly, with just our naked eye, about three miles. That's not very far. It looks forever. 
you got the feeling that I'm seeing forever and you're not. You're just seeing just a little ways out there in regards to thousands and thousands of miles. Same is true for life. Be humble. You don't, you think you see the whole thing, but you don't see the whole thing. You think you understand the whole part of the issue, both sides, but you don't fully understand everybody's viewpoint. There's just no way you can. You, you think you got it all buttoned up. No, 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 you don't. Be humble, be humble, be humble. But I think that's on the list, isn't it? The way of Jesus. Yep, there it is. Humility. And the thing about coming together around the way of Jesus is that Jesus' way brings people together like nothing else does. Like nothing else can. It is the, Jesus' way is the best way. And the, a couple of reasons it's the best way is because, number one, it just makes sense and it brings people together. But more importantly, it is the best way because Jesus' way ultimately brings people to Jesus. Get this. This is why from time to time you'll hear me say things like, hey, listen, what we just read and what we just have talked about, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's required material for you. This is on us. But even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not a follower of Jesus at this point, oh, you're not sure what you believe and where you are on the spiritual spectrum, you ought to give this a try because it'll work for you too. I mean, look at it. Does love work for everybody? Doesn't everybody need compassion? And hadn't everybody screwed up? Uh, don't, doesn't everybody want kindness? Be treated that way. Doesn't, doesn't everybody need to be reminded of how humble we are? Yeah. Doesn't everybody need patience with each other? Doesn't everyone really, I don't want to be around people who are harsh and demanding and demeaning. I, I want to be around, be around people who are gentle. And boy, I, I want to be around forgiving, forgiving people because I'm going to need it. All right? and, and I need to be forgiving. And don't we all want peace? Yeah. No, he said, I want to be right. No, deep down, you want to break. We all desire these things. And, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, you pursue these things. Here's what I believe. And you don't have to believe it yet. That's fine. This is one of those things that you and I can disagree on right now. But here's what I believe is true. That eventually, it will draw you closer to Jesus. The Jesus you're not sure if you believe in or not. The Jesus you've got so many questions about. I still got some questions too. But it will ultimately draw you to him. And you will also find yourself wondering, what else has Jesus said? What else is Jesus about that I need to consider? The way of Jesus just brings people together. Turns enemies into friends. Oh, one more thing, one more thing. I gotta make sure, I, I make sure you know this, that when you commit yourself to the way of Jesus, you, another thing it'll do, it'll keep you from being so easily offended in this political environment that we live in, right? Where people are so easily offended. We talked about this in week one. I mean, just because we disagree, that offends me. Don't you talk like that, that offends me. I can't believe you would say that, that offends me. I'm offended, I'm offended, I'm offended. I'm like, how sensitive are we? My goodness, Christians, followers of Jesus, people who are committed to the way of Jesus should be the least offended people on the planet. As Jesus was. We should be the least offended people on planet earth. Why? Because we're so loving. And we're so compassionate. And that person who just said what they said, we're compassionate. We're thinking, bless their heart. Who knows what's going on in their life? Who knows what kind of day they've had? Who knows what's behind that anger and that outburst? They probably didn't mean it. They probably have no idea how they're coming across. And, and they're not gonna be so, we're not going to be so offended because we're focused on being kind and, and humility. Knowing that, hey, you know what? I need people to show grace to me. I'm going to show grace to them. And we're patient. 
It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And we're gentle. We're not like, oh no, you didn't just say that. It's no, we're gentle and we're forgiving and we're pursuing peace. We should be the least offended people around. Here's the deal. Regardless of who wins the election, there's no need to freak out. No need to panic because this is unchanged. Our focus, our agenda is the agenda of Jesus. And it's not driven by any extreme or any label or anything else other than who Jesus is and who Jesus has called us to be. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. The election is very important. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It matters and it matters a lot. And we talked about this last week. We should participate in the best way we know how. But listen very carefully. Jesus never planned to save the world through a voting booth. That's good news. That's good news. Because this process of voting just reminds us all how badly we need saving. (laughs) Doesn't it? And Jesus never planned to save the world and accomplish his mission through a voting booth. Change comes when we remember that he is the savior, not a human president, that he is the savior. And change comes when his people commit to living out his way in a way that brings other people to him as he stands in the middle among all sides and all extremes. Now, if this world that we live in is all there is, and this culture that we live in is as good as it's ever going to get, then you might have reason to panic about what's going to happen with this next election because it's all riding on this. This is it. But if it's not, all there is, and it's not. And if this is not as good as it's ever going to get, because I can promise you it's not, greater days are ahead. The kingdom has not yet fully come then there's no reason to panic, no need to freak out. We just stay focused on what truly matters. And that is the way of Jesus, these things. Come together around that. Now, as I wrap up, I'm I'm gonna give you two other things to consider that are gonna seem random and unrelated, but I promise you they are very related. And um, for lack of a better way, just to be completely honest, I... I I couldn't find a a better way to fit this into the ebb and flow of what we're talking about. So here you go. I want to show you this. Paul writes to a young pastor named Timothy. Again, still in this crazy first first century culture environment they're in. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving. In other words, prayer, interceding, another part of prayer. So praying for all people, that these things be done for all people. Sounds very PC of God, doesn't it? That we should pray for everybody. I agree with that. We should pray for everybody. Okay, hold it. Then he goes on. He gets more specific. For kings and all those in authority that we may live uh, live peaceful. There's that word again, peaceful. Hmm. And quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. What's good? What's good and pleases God? That we pray for kings and kings were the presidents of the ancient culture. And all those in authority. You know what's good for you and pleases God, our Savior, for us? Where do we go from here? 
We pray for our president. We pray for our leaders. Who our president is right now, because, hello, we still have one. Right now, we have a president to pray for. Whether you voted for him or not, whether you plan to vote for him again or not, whether you think he's right or not, that is not a part of this passage. If you agree, pray for them. If you voted for him, pray for them. Just pray for them. Who the president is and who the president is going to be. Whether or not it's Biden or Trump. Whether or not it's a him or a a her or the system changes and we're ruled by a a, a group instead of an individual. All those in authority. It doesn't matter what happens. You pray for those in authority. You do. And here's what's beautiful about that. When you pray for people, when you're really praying for people, you ever realized and understood and experienced it's really hard to be unkind to people that you're praying for? You ever notice that? It's really hard to talk negatively about those you're praying for. Exactly. Man, God's a genius, isn't he? And so, so over the next few days, and especially when this thing is over, and the president is, whoever the president is going to be, and you are tempted to hit up social media with a, yay, the other guy's an idiot. Or I can't believe it, I'm moving to Canada. Whatever you, whatever you find yourself to, be kind, be kind, be kind. Because you're a Christian first and most. And just go pray for them. Go pray for them. It's hard to be unkind to people you're praying for. You represent Jesus. Hey, listen, you represent this church. And in some ways, you and I are connected. So, yeah. Pray for those in authority. Not against them, like, God, get them. I can't believe it. Take them down. No, 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 no. No, pray for them. It's a positive thing. One more thing. One more thing. This kind of brings us back to what this thing is all about to begin with. Let me, this is going to be, it's going to be a little awkward. Okay, so warning. The most divisive issue in the first century, in the first church, the most divisive issue, especially among Jews and Gentiles, it's, it's going to sound really strange for us, but trust me, this was a really, really, really big deal, was the issue of circumcision. Um, and, and it's what people got upset over, people fight, fuss, they, relationships were destroyed over it, people just you know, broke up over it. it, it's a lot of you know, back and forth. All, imagine all of the political rhetoric we have today over environment, healthcare, and military, and immigration, and racial tensions, and all those things. Imagine that being over an issue like circumcision. The most divisive issue of their day, watch what Paul tells Christians. For in Christ Jesus, that's important because we're Christians first and most. Keeps coming back to that, doesn't it? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. (laughs) Doesn't matter anymore. That's not the point. It's really, it's a waste of time. Wait a second. I just had surgery. Yeah. Waste. It's it's waste. It's it's pointless. Can you imagine how divisive that was? It, it would like Paul be, be saying in, in a political charged arena or event. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. Who cares? Liberal, conservative, it's really not that big of a deal. And then he said this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts, 
the only thing that counts. Why is faith in Jesus expressing itself through love, which is the way of Jesus, by the way. Remember, love is the thing that binds it all together. It is the umbrella, the glue that holds all those pieces together. And so it's faith in Jesus expressing itself through love. Why is that the only thing that matters? Because in the end, it's the only thing that lasts. That means presidents will come and go. Cultures will change. Human systems of government will come and go. Empires of the past and the present, even our American empire, will rise and one day they all will fall. And what remains is faith expressing itself through love. That is the only thing that matters in the end because in the end it's the only thing that lasts and we've been called to come together around that that's good news that's good news so now we know where we need to go from here the next few days is going to be interesting it ain't boring right so so who's going to win and what's going to happen i don't know let's see what happens but regardless of what happens the mission of the church and followers of Jesus is unchanged and could not be more clear. We are to come together around the way of Jesus. And that's ultimately the only thing that counts because in the end, it's the only thing that will matter. Let's not forget it. And let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this sobering, convicting reminder. I need this. This is good for us to wrestle with. Thank you for making it crystal clear and help us over the next few days to remember that we represent you and we represent your church and we represent our brothers and sisters, each other. Help us to be careful not to get pulled into meaningless, senseless arguments and may we pursue the way of Jesus, choosing love, gentleness, patience, humility, compassion, forgiveness, and peace. Because that, when it's all said and done, it is your way that will stand. When everything else has come and gone and everything we're experiencing now is a piece of history. May we never lose sight of these things and may we remember we have your spirit to help us and help us to lean on the power of your spirit within us and the encouragement of our brothers and sisters around us to get this right, because the world is watching. In Jesus' name, amen.